You know, um, in all these things, when we, uh, the way to progress in our relationship with God, but the way to also progress in seeing more of the kingdom in our life means that we have to do something that moves beyond where we are and where we are. Moves us out of where we're comfortable to a place where we're uncomfortable. And whenever we, we step forward with God, that's the place that his spirit and his power engages us with, with us. He engages us with us beyond our comfort. And so as, as, an indiv as individuals and as a, as a body and, and people, we need to be uncomfortable with being comfortable. And we need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because a lot of the things that Jesus asks us to do are uncomfortable to us. But here's what Jesus says, you know, he says, if you do these things, you'll see miracles. You'll see uh, things turn around. You'll see relationships healed. You'll see lives changed. You'll see broken bodies put back together. You'll see sickness go. You'll see life come. You'll see deliverance. You'll see freedom. But to see that, it's in the land outside your comfort zone. And, you know, I, I talked last week, I was talking about um, relationships, relationships that have gone bad. That's outside our comfort zone, isn't it? It's, it's something we're not happy with. And we all have or have had relationships that are like that. And Jesus tells us uh, some things, and Paul tells us some things about how to handle those relationships. And I, I'm going to carry on that this morning. I'm going to carry on talking straight on from where I was last week. You remember um, last week I was talking about how um, we, we deal with relationships that are fractured. And, you know, we all have, I, I, I don't particularly like the idea behind the film, never seen it, but there's, there's a film called It's Complicated. And it's about relationships. And relationships are complicated. Uh, they, they can be simple, but generally they're not simple. They're, they're, not, they're not straightforward because there's not just two people involved. There's lots of people involved. And these relationships, they, when, when they get complicated, they give us heartache. They give us turmoil. And they make our life unsettled. Uh, I, I don't know, but is it, is it just me or am I the only one that's had relationships like that? Or have you got those sort of relationships too? And it's kind of like, my, my mum used to have a saying when I was a kid, like, it's like trying to fight your way out of a wet paper bag. You know, it, you, you get out, but it all sticks to you and it's horrible. <laughs> and, and we have relationships like that. And, um, you know, what, last week we talked about this, this principle, and, and I talked about it as, as a principle that really set me free. And it enabled me to move on some, from some pretty difficult relationships. And it's this, that you can have peace about the relationship even when there's no peace in the relationship. How do you do that? You do that by um, taking what's called, the, the well, Paul says, so far as it is down to you, if it is possible, live in peace with all men. And that I found that, a really freeing verse because it's got these words in it, if it's possible, and it's not always possible. And, you know, some of us have lived our lives stuck for 10, 20, 30 years in relationships, uh, issues that we can't fix, we can't put back together again. And 
I'm really grateful that, that Jesus doesn't ask us to put them back together again. He just asks us to try, so far as it's down to us, so far as we can. And we talked last week about one of the, the, the things that we do or that helps in that is the, what I call the long walk round of empathy. Going right round the other side and looking at it from the other person's perspective and say, why, why is that rational to them? Why, does, why do they think that's okay? Now, they might be idiots and they might be totally wrong, but at least we can understand why they're wrong. And, and at least we can understand how it looks from their perspective. But also, a lot of the time, we have to be prepared to look at it and go, okay, I see where they're coming from. The issue's me. The issue's me. I see where they're coming from. And we need God's wisdom to help us do that, to, to, to help us do that without condemnation, but a desire to put things right. Um. You see, when we take that long walk round of empathy, we sometimes find that that person's behaviour that was hurtful is coming from a hurting person. And that they, they actually need help. They need help to deal with that. But here's, the, here's where I want to get to this morning. The fracture in your relationship, the, the things that have gone wrong in your relationships aren't just your issue. They're affecting all the people around you. One of the things that I, I noticed when we, we were having some difficult relationships is it affected a whole load of people in, it's like collateral damage. And, and relationships have a way of doing that because we all interact with each other and there's a lot of collateral damage going on. And that's why Paul uh, talks about relationships. That's why Jesus talks about relationships and he wants us, as far as it's down to us, to try and put them right. Because he recognizes that it's not just us that are affected, it's a load of people around us. And some of them are getting hurt a lot more than you are uh, in, in this sort of thing. So we, we need to understand that relationships are complicated and they affect a lot of other people. You see, here's the thing about fracture. It's costly and it's complicated. It costs and it's complicated. It costs your energy. It costs your, 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 your brain power. It costs you sleepless nights. It costs you uh, lots of tears. It costs you lots of pain. And it costs a lot of other people a lot of pain as well because it's costly and complicated. Now, here's the thing. I just want to try and focus this in and take us on from where we were last week. So, Here's, here's where we got to last week. The, the path to peace is paved with empathy. The past, path to peace is paved with empathy. By empathy, I mean seeing things or trying to see things and trying to understand where the other person's coming from. The path to peace is paved with empathy. Doesn't mean you always get a solution, but at least if you can understand, you can be at peace about the relationship even if there's no peace in the relationship. Do you, do you get that? That's where we got to last week. Now, here's the second thing. Now, you know when I talked about being uncomfortable? You're not going to like this word. You're not going to like this word, because I don't like this word when, when I'm in that situation. Here's the word, forgiveness. Forgiveness. And you know one of the things that I found is that People bandy around the word forgiveness and they go like, will you forgive the person? You go, yeah, I'll forgive the person. And they think that's it. And it's not. 
Honestly, it's not. It's not a magic wand. Now, if the path to peace is paved with empathy, forgiveness is the vehicle that gets you down the path. Forgiveness is the vehicle that gets you down the path. So, here's why this might be a little bit uncomfortable this morning. I'm going to talk about you, and I'm going to talk about that person you need to forgive. You're like, okay, I'm empty in the building. <laughs> because here's, here's what's happening right now, because I know because I've sat in your seat. I don't want to go there. I don't want to deal with this. This is just too uncomfortable. This is just too difficult. It bothers me. It's painful. And how dare you, Mark, say I need to think about forgiveness? I know I'm a Christian, and I know I've got to say the word forgiveness, but right in here, there isn't any. And I'm struggling with it. I'm really struggling to forgive. And that's okay. The problem is when you stop struggling to forgive. Struggling to forgive is okay. The problem is when you give up and stop. Okay? Do you get that? You still, you're sitting comfortably again now. All right. Here's the thing. You see, one of the things that uh, happened in my life years and years ago, uh, I've shared the testimony quite a long time ago in Faith Life, and I'm actually going to share it again in the next couple of weeks. But there was a, I, I had a big uh, issue that was going on at work um, not long after I came down to Cambridge. To, I was transferred down to Cambridge with work, came down here, and, and there was a big problem. And personally, it was very difficult for me. I, I, obviously, if I tell you now, then I can't tell you next week or whenever, so I'm not going to tell you. But here's, here's the point. Part of the answer to that was forgiveness. However, every single day I had to deal with those people doing the same things over and over again to me. And that's why forgiveness is actually quite hard. It's not, you know, we, we, we have to get real as believers because otherwise there's no freedom. Here's the thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is a process. It doesn't just, gen well, generally, it doesn't just take a moment of time. The Holy Spirit's there to help you do it. And sometimes it's a lot quicker than you would expect. But it's not instant in most, most situations. There's no magic bullet on this. Here's what I found. And I used to condemn myself for this. But then I saw it a different way around. I would get up in the morning, and this, this is a few years ago, I'd get up in the morning and I'd, I'd, I'd kind of check how I was doing on my forgiveness chart. And my forgiveness chart looked like this. Today, I hate them slightly less. And you know what? That's a win. That's a win. We've got to understand this. The Holy Spirit is working on our hearts, and so progress is a win. It's not an excuse, but it's a win. So, I hate them a little bit less is actually starting to drive that vehicle down the path to peace. You've got to get these things. You've got to understand these things because these things set you free. We, we don't live in an artificial world. We live in a real world with real people, complicated relationships that keep on hurting us. And so, we need to understand that you don't get instant fixes. 
Here's something else I want to tell you about forgiveness. It is not condoning what the other person did. It's not even saying what, it's definitely not needing to say what they did was okay. Because it probably wasn't. You know, it's not, we, we need to think clearly about these things. Because if we're going to find peace in relationships, peace about relationships, we have to get our head round about how we deal with the fact that the relationship's not fixed. Sometimes we get great outcomes. The relationship gets fixed. Your relationship's better than it was before, and we all go on hunky-dory. But sometimes it doesn't. I'm sure you know this, uh, this saying, isn't there? If you... If you don't forgive, it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Yeah, you know that one. Here's the thing. Forgiveness, this is how I thought of it, because I, I thought that was a bit trite, but I thought I'd throw it out there anyway. Here's, a, here's what, what my issue was. When I uh, was struggling to forgive, I was giving this person, this other person, rent-free space in my head. And here's what was happening. Um, I don't know, do you have people like that? They've got rent-free space in your head. Let me just describe them to you. Basically, this is what happens. They, they lurk there, and they pop out at all the moments you don't want them to. You see them in different situations. Um, the, uh, every decision you make, every uh, turn you make, every corner you go around, they're there. Somehow, they've got factored into your decisions. They've got factored into your life. And you can't get past them because they've got rent-free space in your head. And forgiveness is the only way we get people out of our heads. They might not be in our lives, but they're in our heads because we're running our lives based on what they did and what happened. And, and somehow it's affecting every decision and every, every turn, every corner we make. And forgiveness, again, you know this one, forgiveness is setting the prisoner free and finding out you were the prisoner. Forgiveness is setting the prisoner free, finding out you are the prisoner. Now, let's go back to those verses I looked at last week. I know I only looked at one last week, Romans 12, verse 18. By the way, I know this isn't easy. For, for, for me to stand here is, in one instance, is a three, four-year journey. But it's really important that we share these things when we get our own breakthroughs. So, Romans 12, and I, and I talked about verse 18 uh, last week. If it's possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I'm going to do three verses this week. I'm, I'm accelerating. So, I'm going to go 19 to 21. Is that okay? Can you stand three verses in a week? Yeah. Yeah. As I explained last week, if you, so if you're new to faith life, um, I'm kind of, I love the word, so... Often I'll cover a lot of verses or I'll preach a whole passage or whatever, but these are really important things. So I don't want to like distract us with 50 verses that not with, so we don't remember any of them. I want to give you one verse or two verses so you do remember them. If it's possible, so far as it's down to you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved. Who's beloved of God? See, you're doing your own preaching. I've got that word. That's me. This is talking about me. It's really important you realize this is talking about me because this isn't going to seem great. Beloved, 
do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your this is the bit we don't like. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. So here we go. I'm kind of hoping, you know, I painted that picture of somebody who's got rent-free space in your head. I'm kind of hoping that this moment or last night or whenever it was, you were not behaving like a Bond villain. You know, the Bond villains sat at home wringing their hands, plotting the downfall of the enemy. I'm kind of hoping that's not you, but once or twice it might have been me. So we'll just own up to that, okay? And, and this is how this works. This verse says, revenge is not an option. And you could go, well, you know, I didn't do anything. I didn't, you know, I didn't do any, I wasn't going for revenge. Revenge, I discovered in my path to freedom, is not just external retaliation. Got to understand this. Revenge is not just external retaliation. It is also internal celebration of the person's misfortune. Not just external retaliation. It's internal celebration that they aren't succeeding. And that, I, 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 that was a hard one. That's a hard one to get past. Because we are dealing here with heart issues. We're not dealing with superficial things. We're dealing with fixing our hearts. And as long as we're celebrating the other person's misfortunes, or that they haven't got what, what they wanted, then we're not free. And God wants us free. God wants you free. Here's the bit we like. Leave room for the wrath of God. I like that verse. <laughs> Leave room for the wrath of God. And I, I, you know, the first time I read this, and I'll share the testimony uh, next week or the week after, was 15 years or more ago. And this, this, these two, two or three verses really turned my life around. And I read that, and, and I thought, I love it. Now you're talking, God, wrath. That's what we want. Not for me, for them. This is sounding really cool, God. This is, this is, this is what I'm looking for. And the sort of wrath I was envisaging is this. I, the, you know, we all have our personal views of what wrath might look like. This is what my wrath looked like. When I was a kid, I guess I was, um, I don't know, 10, 11, something like that. Uh, my dad had had an accident at work and he was, he, he'd got some burns on his arms and his chest and everything. So he was all bandaged up. So he was at home. And he was sat in our little kitchen at the end of our house and uh, having his lunch. And 
I decided at that moment that I was Thor the Thunder God. And, you know, the Marvel hero. And so I found, because I found a, a, a hammer in my dad's uh, tool shed. So I'm going like that, whizzing it around my head, and it slipped. And it went straight through our window and landed in my dad's plate. <laughs> and I got absolute what for, you know. I, it's like, <laughs> here he is, off work, ill, with burns all over him. And he has a hammer landed in his pea and ham soup. <laughs> and you go, like, it couldn't get any worse, could it? So I got it all in the neck. Angry dad. And I thought, I'll not do that. And so he said, look, if you're going to play, you go up to the top of the road. Anytime, you just don't come near me. Don't come near me. Just get up to the top of the road. So he, my, my dad gets his mate from work to come round, cuts some new glass out, puts the putty in, gets it all fixed. <laughs> I'm exiled to the top of the road. <laughs> and so I'm playing with my friend at the top of the road. And... I got a new Powerball. <laughs> and I thought, going to give this Powerball some money. So I went, whack. This is a week, one week later. It's actually, I, I just don't know how this happened. I still don't know how it happened. When I say the top of our road, at least the distance from here to the other side of that football pitch where the far football net is, I whacked this thing down and it took a deflection off a stone. And it bounced and it bounced and it bounced all the way down the road, over our fence and straight through the window <laughs> that had been broken before and landed on the table while my dad was having his lunch. <laughs> That's the sort of wrath I'm talking about when I say the wrath. This is what I was envisaging happening. <laughs> you don't want that sort of wrath, okay? You see, I bear my soul in these things. <laughs> When we talk about God's wrath, even in New Covenant terms, because of we reap what we sow, wrath is the consequence of sin. Wrath is the consequence of wrongdoing. Why is that? Sin always pays if you reap and sow. Sow and reap. If you sow, sow to the flesh, you'll reap of the flesh. And here's, here's the thing. God loves his kids. And if people hurt his kids, he has an issue with it. And, and we forget that, that God actually has an issue with the fact that we've been hurt as his kids, that somebody's done something wrong to us. He has an issue. And he's looking for how he can balance it, how he can sort that issue out. You see, we're not alone. But here's what God says. I'll just turn my notes over because I've absolutely no idea where I am. Here's what God is saying in this passage. Anybody who mistreats my children, there is a consequence. Because I love my children. And you know, um, when, I, when I was really trying to deal with some very difficult relationships a few years ago. The one thing that I wanted was this. 
So this is like bearing the heart, okay? You can go aw and aw and all that sort of stuff at the end of it. But here's, here's the thing. It's not straightforward. So there's a lot of confusion around what's going on. Because people hear all sorts of things and all sorts of stories and all sorts of stuff that gets exaggerated, twisted, and is untrue. All those things happen. And if you're not the person at the middle of it, you don't know what's right and wrong. And here's something that happens. If somebody throws enough things up, everybody reaches the conclusion, well, there must be something in it. And there's the problem, because the one thing that I wanted was for that confusion to go away and somebody to turn around and say, what they're doing to you isn't right. I'm going to stand with you. And I realized that the person who stands with me is God. Even if nobody else can cut through the lies and the confusion, God stands with me. And that was just massive when I saw that. When I, when I looked at this verse, I realized that even if nobody else gets it, even if nobody else thinks that I'm telling the truth, God gets it. Because he knows. God gets it and he's there for me. And this is what he says, leave room for me to deal with it. It's mine, says God. It's mine. Nobody gets away with things because it's a principle, we reap what we sow. But it's God's problem, not ours. You see, people do all sorts of hurtful things for all sorts of reasons. And remember when we talked about the long round of empathy, when we see it from that side, we sometimes realize it's us, or we sometimes realize that it made total logical sense to them why they did what they did. And that's really difficult for us as tiny peanut brain human beings to deal with. But he is what God is. He's not limited by our brain size. And that's why it's God's to deal with. Because he knows what's going on in you, he knows what's going on in the other person, and he knows what's going on by all the people who've got collateral damage going on. And he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, and he's omnipotent. And you didn't think I could get all three words out once, did you? But there you go. That means he sees everything, knows everything, and he's all-powerful. Therefore, he can sort it where we can't. So this is a really good verse. He's saying, it's mine. It's mine to sort out, not yours. And all of a sudden, you've got your dad on your side. And he's able to deal with it. And he's coming at it because he loves you. We often sing that worthy is the lamb who was slain. That's because he's the only one who is worthy. He's the only one who's been through everything, understood everything, and knows everything. And that's why when we see right at the end of the Bible in Revelation, he's the only one worthy to judge. Because he's the only one that can see inside everybody's head and reach the right conclusion. And so God's saying this to us this morning, it's mine to deal with these things. Now, what's all that got to do with forgiveness? You think, well, I thought it was about forgiveness this morning. 
Well, here's the thing. I just want you to come at forgiveness from a different angle. Let me say it survey. I want to redefine or put a wider definition on forgiveness for you. Forgiveness is a failure to believe what God says. Unforgiveness is a failure, sorry. Unforgiveness is a failure to believe what God says. When we have unforgiveness, we are not believing God when he says it's mine to deal with. It's our sin. Unforgiveness is a failure to believe God. And I, I, I remember, and I, it's like, how do you get your, your head around this? I, I remember uh, somebody uh, a few years ago, and, and they'd had a horrendous life. And all sorts of horrible things had happened to them. And this is, this is what they said. The, the one thing they wanted was justice. And this is how God set them free. He said to them, there is always justice. That person will either repent in this life, come to you and ask for forgiveness, and turn to me, in which case there's justice at the cross. Or, if they never do that, there's justice when they stand in front of me. That's how God's system works. That's how, how, how he, he works. You see, if we believe that God is our defender, what would change in the way we approach the fractured relationship? Not you are the defender, or you're looking to somebody else to be the defender, but God's the defender. What would change in that relationship? You see, if we believe that, I think we would behave differently. It's the fact we don't believe that that we, we do the things we do. You see, when you trust that God is going to do what he says he's going to do, you can give them a blessing. When you trust that God is going to do what he says he's going to do, you can actually say, I feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for them. I, I feel sorry for the fact that that they set out to do this and they're not going to achieve their dreams. They're not going to, unless they turn around, unless they sort their issues, it's not going to work for them. Because God's my defender. God's my defender. Here's the thing about what Paul is saying. Not only is that a good thing to do, to bless them, to forgive them, to do, you know, to, to want the best for them. Not only is that a good thing to do, but God says, if you'll do that with a genuine heart, it will actually work something. It'll actually cause something to happen. And the thing it causes to happen is burning coals on the head. And I'm thinking, yes! I like the wrath, now I like the burning coals. <laughs> and that's kind of the way most people read this verse. But that's not what it's saying. You see, this verse is, a, is actually a quote. It's actually a quote from Proverbs. Um, let, me, let me remember. Um, got it written down here. Proverbs 22. And burning coals, here's what burning coals are. How can I put it? When somebody saw that they were going wrong, 
and they were filled with remorse, what they used to do is put coals on their head as a sign of repentance. That's what it's talking about. So here's what God is saying. If you will leave place for me, you will not go about trying to get revenge yourself, but you will let it go. You will bless this person. You will want the best for this person. If you will get out of my way, it will produce something. And the thing it will produce is repentance in the person, which is the very thing you're looking for. We have to understand this. And we go, well, this happened to me, that happened to me. I've not seen any repentance. It's got worse, it's got worse. Have you got out of God's way? Because until you do, it won't happen. And that's really important. When he talks about burning coals, it's saying that if you respond with forgiveness and kindness and good, it will work on their heart and point them towards repentance. And isn't that just what God did for us? Romans chapter 2 says it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Not the wrath of God or the punishment of God, but the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. You see, when we are kind in the face of wrongdoing, we're imitating Jesus. We're saying, I'm going to absorb, just like Jesus did on the cross, when he came and he said, I'm going to absorb your wrong. I'm going to take all your wrong. I'm going to forgive you when you don't deserve forgiveness. And what's more, I'm going to bless you anyway. This is why we have such an incredible saviour. Because he goes places that we can only just stand back and gasp at. Because for him, it flowed entirely from love. For us, we have to work at it. But that's what Jesus did. You see, fractured relationship, bad blood steals from us. And Paul is saying here, don't let it steal from you. They've had enough of your life. But if it's going to be fixed, it's God's to fix. If you're going to see freedom, it's God's to do. The more you try and get involved in the process of revenge, internal celebration when they're failing, and really just being happy that they're not doing too well, God is off the scene. You're not adding to the problem. You're not helping the problem. You've become the problem. When we don't forgive, we have become the problem. Because it doesn't allow God in. So I want to forgive because I don't want to be the problem. You see, when we do all this, 
and God steps in, it doesn't mean that things have to go back to where they were. We've got to understand this. Some people will never be our best friends. In fact, some people it would be really unwise to have them in our life again. But it does mean you can have peace about the relationship even when there's no peace in the relationship because you've left it to God. You've handed it over to God and you can move on. You can get down that path that's paved with empathy. You can get in your, get in your car, get in your vehicle of forgiveness and you can just drive on down. And you can drive on down to far as you get to freedom. Here's the thing. Peace begins when your demand for payment ends. I told you it was uncomfortable this morning. If I hadn't lived this, I wouldn't be telling you. Because I have peace. I've got peace about all the relationships that I've gone through in my life that were poo. Peace begins when your demand for payment ends. Might never fix it. Might never be healthy to fix it. But it'll set you free. Peace begins when your demand for payment ends. And here's the thing that... I just woke up one morning and I made this declaration. So knowing all this and God showing me all this, I woke up one morning... Made the declaration. Here's the, here's the declaration I, I made. I am letting you off the hook because God let me off the hook. I'm letting you off the hook because God let me off the hook. So this is what I'm going to ask you this morning. And I'm not... Um, I'm not going to like make you stand up or whatever. But who is it you need to let off the hook? Who is it you need to let go? Who is it you need to get out of the way so God can work? Who is it you need to just step back from, stop them renting space in your head, and let God sort it? Who is it? I want you to stand. Can I have the uh, team back? We're going to um, open up prayer ministry over the side at, at the end of the meeting. Because here's the purpose if you go over there. Not to tell the people over there everything that's bad about what's gone wrong. purpose of going there is to record a declaration that you're going to get out of the way and let God do it. And then we'll pray for you for the Holy Spirit to empower you and strengthen you in that decision. Because I found that the really hard decisions to take as an individual, without the, without the Holy Spirit there for you, you're kind of stuck, you fall back to where you were. So we'll pray that the Holy Spirit would, would work with you and partner with you in that stepping out of the way. But right now, I'm just going to pray for you. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are such a good God. That when we didn't deserve it, you said, I'm going to come down, I'm going to give up everything, and I'm going to absorb your wrong. I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to bless you anyway, 
even if you never bless me back. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to do a work in our hearts this morning. An understanding of this, because I, I, I know in the very core of my being that when you get this, it sets you free. So, Lord, I'm asking, just like Paul asked for the Ephesians, I'm asking for wisdom, a spirit of wisdom, but a spirit of revelation that is going to write these truths on our hearts, on every heart here, and set people free. I declare freedom. The freedom that comes from knowing God is our defender. God is on our side. God loves us. And God knows. And when nobody else sees, he sees, he knows, and he understands. So right now, Lord, I just say, on behalf of everybody, we're getting out of your way. Because we know that if no one else is for us, you are. I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. And right now, Lord, we choose, we choose to let go, to let you in. We repent of our unbelief that we did not trust you to deal with it to be our defender. And we give that relationship to you, Lord. We release it to you. And in so doing, we bless them anyway. Amen. Amen.